Hey, man, what's happening? Yo, so I want to ask you something. I want you to answer without spoilers for me or anybody else. How are you feeling about the MCU these days? <laughs> so, Marvel Cinematic so, Universe, for those so, who... So, so time out. I'm going to flip this because we often have those twin brain moments. Coming into this conversation for the recording, I decided to start watching Iron Fist on Netflix. And I was going to ask you something very similar. As a random conversation topic between friends. So, well, piss off. <laughs> is how I feel about the MCU right now. That's your shtick. That's your shtick. Piss off, mate. <laughs> Welcome back to the More in Common podcast. I am Keith, your co-host with my man Rodney. How you doing today, bro? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I'm not going to ask back, but what I am going to do <laughs> is talk about compassion because Keith and I are very much anchored in, in trying to understand compassion. And our guest today, Jeremiah, lays it out really plainly that compassion for him is love. And I think that'll be evident in the conversation that we have with them. Speaking of said conversation, Keith, what can they expect for what's about to go down? The thing I love about talking with Jeremiah, he's young, he's 23, he's got his whole aspirational adult life ahead of him, and I'm excited to share his story now because whenever it happens, and you'll hear it through his voice and his confidence and his belief in himself, he is going to do something. And so getting a view of this at this stage before anybody knows and giving him an opportunity to share a story, I think is pretty cool. Why would someone listen? I think, oh man, if you want to be inspired and you want, if, if you have any kind of difficulty seeing the, the positive side of things, Jeremiah has none. And he is a really good example of just positive energy. He's doing a lot and he believes in himself. And I think that is, uh, it, it's, it rubs off on me. So maybe it'll rub off on you. Before we get into it, I want to remind you to, to share, to like, maybe to like and then share. Uh, if you're feeling really froggy, go give us a comment. Help us in those algorithms. Help us get discovered. And you can find all things more in common at moreincommonent.com, including including our as rodney slow rolls into a transition that i was not prepared to talk about <laughs> our consulting business listen companies are trying to build inclusive cultures around their diversity and equity strategies and it's hard it's in some ways existential and it's difficult and we believe if you anchor your culture on compassion that anything else is possible from there so we have a methodology that we teach, that we engage with. And if you're interested in learning more, hit us up. As the young people say, the DMs are open. Find us on LinkedIn, find us on our website, wherever you may be. Now we'll get you into this conversation with Jeremiah. 
because sometimes you have to think about uh, if what if the roles were reversed? I said that in a podcast before. What if the roles were reversed? What if you were in those person's shoes? What if you were able to see what that person see? Would you still be the person who you are today? Would you change a little bit? What would happen? And on that podcast, I personally was like, okay, don't look at someone because of their hair is curly compared to straight or vice versa. What if you didn't know that that person who you're making fun of is suffering from uh, suicidal thoughts or suffering from depression? Who are you to judge that person? Who are you to throw the first stone? Today, we are with Jeremiah Smart. He's 23 and from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Because of his dreams, his belief in his self, his hope, and his faith, he has set out to fulfill his life dreams. He's currently living after a big jump in Los Angeles. He produces the Smart Way podcast where he drops short weekly pearls of hope and inspiration for anyone who needs a positive boost to their day. He is an aspiring author and sets out every day to make just one person's life better. We're excited to have him. Jeremiah, welcome back to More in Common. Unfortunately, a victim of technical difficulties, as is known to happen. So we have Jeremiah coming back for a second time. And I'm, I'm really excited about this because uh, we, Rodney and I, get to get to see where we're at on this journey after four months or three months. But to start, don't think we were doing this when we first had this conversation. So we at least get this piece of it. Our first question now to every one of our guests is going back to the rapid fire. When we asked you your tip for navigating difficult conversations, you said, make sure nothing is uncomfortable and make sure both are open-minded how do you ensure that the other person isn't uncomfortable and is open-minded to the conversation? Uh, it all, from what I've saw, it all depends on body language, whether it's a certain twitch, whether it's whenever you're having a conversation and the person looks down and things like that. It's those small little things that I picked up as over time. Maybe this person doesn't want to stay long for a conversation because they maybe they have something else better to do. I, I personally wouldn't know, but man, that's so far. That's what I learned is really just body language and reading people more and, and, and watching, just watching and listening and, and learning about the things around me. My uncle actually taught me that when I lived in New Hampshire. So yeah. <laughs> Good old New Hampshire. On that, is there, is there any tip or tips that you can give on body language and that, that might help somebody? Of course. So always, um, whenever you're approaching anyone, always be respectable because you never know what that person has been through. You never know what that person has seen. Always try to be your best to be uh, a positive force because you never know uh, what that person is going through currently or has went through. And uh, make sure that whenever you do have a conversation, make sure you find those key points of where there's an interest on both sides. And even if you and that person may not agree on something, at least be having open-minded conversation or at least be open ear to understand their perspective as well as they should be able to understand your perspective as well. You just basically summed up what Keith and I are landing in this podcast, sometimes subtly, sometimes not. And then what we teach in our consulting practice, like you just, I'm just That's like, yo, come work for us. You're like mm-hmm. a walking ball of compassion, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but like, <laughs> You just, you, that answer, it's just, 
and, and it wasn't canned. It was just like, it's very much you. And I, I appreciate that, man. The scary part is I always tell myself a year from now, how dangerous will you be? And I think about it now and I'm like, I'm 23 years old. I can imagine what I'm going to do when I'm 25. I'm 23 and I've been to 23 different states. I can go to East Coast. I can go West Coast. I down South, Midwest, anywhere. And I can just earn the respect of the OGs, the young Gs, because no one is going to come at you unless you come at them disrespectfully. You have to have a, a certain respect factor in any way. I've learned what it's like to be down in the gutter, but I also seen what it's like to be rich and, and prosperous. So I understand both aspects. I feel as though there's a, a rich side and there's a poor side. And I'm that person right in the middle that understands both sides. Hmm. So when I want to go back to this navigating conversations real quick. So as you assess someone's body language, you assess all this and you see that they're getting uncomfortable. What kind of things do you do to help if you're going to continue the conversation make it so that the other person feels less uncomfortable? It all depends on what the conversation about. In most cases, if a person does feel uncomfortable, I, I tend to just say, all right, well, uh, I think I see my friend over there. Just just make up. Uh, it's terrible to say a lie, but just to make sure, hey, it was nice meeting you, but uh, I see my friends over there. I tend to leave the situation because I, I personally have three little sisters and I, I refuse to have someone talk to them and they feel uncomfortable. That's That's one of my pet peeves. Walk away. It's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, especially in a conversation. No, I think it is definitely a hard thing to do. And I, you know, there's, there's lies, there's white lies. Like we can have a whole conversation. Like what is a lie? What is a lie for me? Yeah. Rodney just said it. We could have a whole conversation. Now I want to have a conversation about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lie for me is, you know, most cases I do tell the truth unless I, personally don't want to be around a certain conversation. So I would make up like, Oh, I have to go somewhere or, or things like that. Or, or when how I, would you define lie? What do you call a lie or what is a lie? Just not being upfront, just not being honest, just not standing 10 toes down as they say out here <laughs> in Cali. But you know, that that's how the, the term in a lie. If, if someone lied to me and, and hurt my feelings to a certain extent, you know, I, I tend to just say I'm, I'm done and, and tend to move on to the next step. See, this is where I thought it would go. So for, I, I would say a lie is anything that deviates from the truth. And then we can have a conversation about truth. But then the question is, are lies acceptable or not? Because I mean, a lie is anything that deviates from the truth, but this popped into my head culturally when we determine something is good or bad rather than assessing whether it is okay or not and accepting that something we've assessed as bad is okay we instead try to redefine it white and lies it, like, tried, i think that's yeah, white lies we, tried to yeah white say lies. That, like, like there are oh. situations where if you don't lie you're gonna destroy that person or you're gonna hurt that person or you're just going to make it worse than if you say, Hey, there's my friend over there. Being a parent, I think about this a lot. Like sometimes my daughter asks a question that she's not ready for. And it's like, do I lie? Do I just ignore? Do I avoid? Like, what's the, what's the method? I think they are acceptable at times. Like you, that scenario you gave is I, in my opinion, a perfectly acceptable scenario for using a lie. Beyond that, like what are your boundaries around lying? As long as it's 
nothing huge. I, I just would rather someone be upfront with me. If something costs two bucks, just be upfront with me. Don't, you know, just say, hey, this costs two bucks, you know, just to let you know, at least give me, you know, that's the only boundaries. Just at least, you know, let me know, hey, look, this is what's going on. That's it. I'm very open-minded. I'm very optimistic. So I'm not going to just say, oh, well, you X, Y, Z, you X, Y, Z. I just have to take it for what it is. So inbound, you don't want to be lied to. So, okay. So if you're, so if we're talking and I sense you're uncomfortable and I'm like, oh, there's my buddy Keith over there. I'm going to, Hey, I'll check you later. Would you appreciate that? If you knew it was, if you found out that was a lie, would you appreciate it? Or would you not like it? Cause I just lied to you. It all depends on situations, honestly. And if I'm uncomfortable conversation and you say something like that, then I'm just going to say, oh, okay, cool. And I just go about my business. So it wouldn't bother you if you found out that that was a lie? Not a touch. It only would affect me if it's something huge. And then, so what about the, so that's you receiving lies. What about you telling lies? What's your, what's your thought? I mean, I tell white lies. I mean, there's, uh, there's families that don't even know where I work at. They don't know where I live at. I just tell them, yeah, I live in California. And I may like, may say Sacramento or Oak, Oakland, or, you know, I, I may say around these areas, but that's just because I, I just prefer that I'm okay. And you should just see that I'm okay. You see my voice, you still able to talk to me. Like, I'm, I'm fine. Now, in that situation, I'm this is going to get to you a little bit. What is it that you're avoiding by not telling them where you are? Oh, cute. That was a good one. He's <laughs> like, that's good. Oh, I'm, I'm just avoiding a lot of things that I've heard. I've, I've, when you hear from multiple cases from uh, friends, families, et cetera, et cetera, you need to do this. You, you you need to do this and do that. And they haven't stepped foot in my shoes or don't know what I'm personally capable of. I tend to just say, okay, and, and just say, okay, just shrug it off and, and still do my own personal thing. That, that's not going to change. If I ever set my heart on anything, I'm still going to do it. But it personally is like, okay, I, I really just don't feel like answering this question. So I, I'd rather just do my own thing. And as long as you steer my voice, you know, I'm safe. I'm fine. Getting along to go along. So it's not a deeper, like you don't, I kind of hear that as you're protecting your space or your energy, you're, you're just like, yeah, okay, cool. But I know what I'm doing. Like I'm on my path. It sounds like you're avoiding the judgment or the kibitz that's going to follow by saying you're here and then they're going to make some comment and you just don't feel like dealing with that. Hey, but you need to do this, but you've never even been to Cali. Yeah. Yeah. I get tired of hearing those comments. You, you hear those comments of what you're going to do in Cali, where you're going to work, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. You got to be rich. You got to have money. man. I live out here now. I've been out here for months. The same people that told me I won't be able to do it. I'm doing that. I wrote a book and it's pretty phenomenal to say the least about people from different areas of life and traveling the world and understanding each other. I've, I've made plenty of friends. I have actors and actresses, friends. I, I, I made connections and I'm, I'm doing my best to help as many people as I can. And now that I'm doing all of that, where did all of this energy come from? Where was all of that? You can't do that. That's when things like trigger me because the same people that told me, Hey, as soon as I left from college because of things that I didn't want to talk about and how you're just going to do the basic things, you know, you're going to stay down here, X, Y, Z. I refuse to do that. I refuse to do the social norms. Let's do another layer on this because you twice since we started talking today, you've basically had a version of 
where will you be next year? Uh, one that, a question that you would ask people and then a question that you ask yourself, how dangerous will I be in a year? How do you go about setting the vision or the plan for what that next year is? Like, what is that for you? Honestly, it's, it's pure hope and faith. I have, I, Hey, nothing's in my control. It's all in his control. Uh, what I've learned is I, I can only do the things that I personally love and always, that's always what I'm always going to do. That's, that's never going to change. If I have responsibilities, of course, I take care of my responsibilities, like paying taxes. I love the government, (laughs) but no, of course. Um, but other than that, man, I do what I have to do. So bringing it back just to, cause I, I want to close the loop on the lying. And I think what you bring up Jeremiah in those circumstances is, a the, the interesting component of, of what lying serves is lying to protect you or protect the other person. And I personally think if I'm lying to protect you, that is actually a dangerous form of lying. If I'm lying to protect me and it doesn't hurt you, in other words, hey, I live in Sacramento. And the other person, like literally the only thing it might hurt is their ego because they didn't really know when you lied to them. And it does, and it hurts the relationship. Maybe it, the relationship isn't, you know, it's not that I'm going to say that important that that detail is, is needed. Whereas like if I told Rodney, yeah, no, I live in Cincinnati. I mean, he and I are best friends and that small lie would damage the trust in our friendship. It'd be confusing if, if I'm like, yo, I'm in Cincy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you're doing it to protect yourself and it doesn't hurt the other person, like I honestly, I think there's, there's potential health in that, right? Like for whatever reason, but as soon as it crosses that boundary of harm to the other person in some way, I, I, I I think lying loses its value immediately. And those lines move depending on the relationship and they can move depending on where the relationship is. But like, Cause you can also, or you can hurt somebody with the truth. Yep. Real good. Or you can weaponize the truth even against somebody. But at the same time, I think by lying about the truth, when it's consequential, you're taking the other person's mm. agency away to actually process like, yeah. that information. Right. Yeah. And if you're just lying to protect yourself, let's say, I don't know. I stole $50,000. I stole $50,000 and I'm a lie about it. And obviously someone else was hurt by it. Like there's some pretty clear lines in, in those big arenas, but I wanted to ask you coming out of that. So you, you talk about, okay, you're in Cali, you moved when we last talked, you had just moved or you were moving that week, the following week. How's it going? Like, what's the latest? Like, give us an update and then we'll update the audience, right? You you wrote a book, right? I wrote a book, yeah. So, so far, last time we had an actual conversation, um, I was actually in the airport <laughs> getting, like, a lot of things. That's when we had our first conversation was I was at the airport literally flying into L.A. And uh, then we had our second conversation and I was just meeting my roommates and things like that. And, you know, now the now conversation. Uh, I can remember a time of where, you know, I'm not even supposed to be here in a sense. Um, and every day I, I don't take one day for granted. I, I don't overwork myself and things like that. I, now 
I'm not going to lie. I don't sleep as much as I used to because every day I'm thinking about how I can better myself, whether it's it's the book that I just finished. Uh, it's the Isle of Zerback, whether it's my podcast and how who can I get on and, and how can I expand this to a bigger audience? And, and you know, how, how can I promote this? How can I make it even better than what it is? But so far in my life, met some amazing people. I've met some pretty terrible people. I met a couple homeless people that have degrees and, and, and just homeless, just trying to make a way out. I've just been personally doing my own thing. I've been, man, I, I'm trying to, uh, I'm actually going to go see the artist her this weekend. And I'm going to try to see if I can talk to her and get her on the podcast. So that would be a big step. Um, <laughs> that's a hopeful. I've just been doing my own thing. I, I've been, I've been trying. I've been actually trying. I've, I've been working hard. It's LA. Yeah. I mean, you, when we, when we first said you were publishing one to two, or you were recording one to two podcasts a day, like tell us about the podcast and where things are. I mean, now I dropped it down to once a week because one to two after a amount of time that, that gets exhausting for me. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I do once a week. Of course, I still keep it in short form. That's never going to change. I actually recorded twice this week. So I recorded two episodes because I was like, oh, I'm going to knock two out uh, about how we as people look at each other's faults and not actually see for each other's purposes in life. And as well as throwbacks for how we talk about how back in the day and like in my era, we were like the early 2000s, late 90s. And, you know, how music has changed and culture has changed in different aspects. And uh I have my other friend who uh, we just recorded and he's going to talk about him coming from the Bronx, New York and how that was and how he uh, over time, how he wants to become an actor because he was on a couple shows and movies and things like that. And um, he's doing his thing and we recorded and talk about how tough the Bronx was and how he wants to better influence his community and, and things like that. So that, I think that would be a pretty good episode. Hmm. That releases in like three days, actually, maybe two. <laughs> You're doing a lot, a lot. So you just said in there, seeing each other's purpose, like we see each other's faults instead of seeing each other's purpose. Obviously, you're going to talk about in the episode, but I'm curious to get into that a little bit. And then we could we can we can put a link for the episode in. I've never even heard anybody say that before, but yeah. it's like blowing my mind <laughs> as I think about it. <laughs> seeing your purpose. So. When you look at, because most of us talk about seeing our own purpose, but you're talking about seeing other people's purpose. How do you go about seeing someone else for their purpose beyond their faults? Because sometimes you have to think about uh, if what if the roles were reversed? I said that in the podcast before. What if the roles were reversed? What if you were in those person's shoes? What if you were able to see what that person sees? Would you still be the person who you are today? Would you change a little bit? What would happen? And on that podcast, I personally was like, okay, don't look at someone because of their hair is curly compared to straight or vice versa. What if you didn't know that that person who you're making fun of is suffering from uh, suicidal thoughts or suffering from depression? Who are you to judge that person? Who are you to throw the first stone? At the end of the day, you're human just like they are. Whether they suffer from depression, whether they suffer from autism, whether they suffer from anything, who are you to judge that person? So on that podcast, it's a, it means a little bit more. It means how we should 
not care because a person wearing glasses or a person may walk a certain way or a person may be shorter than you, but actually see them for what they are as a person and what they actually care about. Actually go out to someone and meet someone and say, hey, what do you actually love to do? Because the things that some of these people will say would surprise you. And it's phenomenal. Have you seen like what these kids nowadays on uh, what's was that Minecraft and like Fortnite? The engineering and the architecture that these kids have now is phenomenal. I have nothing but a ray and praise for these little kids because when I was younger, we we weren't doing that. We were outside playing and things like that. But just to sit inside and being able to build buildings and houses and lakes and that, that takes a whole different level of creativity, which over time, we as adults tend to forget because society tells us you can't say this, you can't do that type thing. Even what you just did right there, like video game. When I was growing up, we were outside and then these kids are inside they're playing games. But you're seeing the you're seeing the upside, like look at the creativity being they're, they're being exposed to the architecture. I've seen some of like Minecraft, the cities they can build. Like it's it is mind blowing because I can't even wrap my head around how I would start. But what you just did right there is like, I I've, I hear so many people. Oh no, 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 they shouldn't be playing video games. There's nothing good there, and you went straight to the good, and then you compared it to what you did, but you didn't compare it negatively. That's rare. Because you think about it, every parent is going to say, "Oh, my child needs to stop playing the video games X Y Z." Okay, if that child says, "Hey, mom, I got you a check for fifty thousand dollars just for me playing video games," what do you think that mom gonna say? She gonna sit back, sip her wine, watch her TV programs, and say, "Hey, my bills are paid. You you can play your game all day and all night." Because at the end of the day, what she may be relaxing and he may be doing something that he loves, but she may be realizing, "I don't have to work as much. I, I don't have to try as hard, and I can actually see this going somewhere for him." And as a parent, even though I don't have kids, I have to understand a parent's point of view. I have to understand that, you know, I don't want my kids standing in front of a TV all day and, and washing his brain. But if the child is actually playing it every day and caring about it and, and, and actually showing improvements every day and and actually putting the work in and, and meeting different friends, not just messing around, but actually making it into a craft, then that's when you have to realize, OK, this is bigger than me. It's so subtle, but. We often, and this is what you said originally, when you see faults, you literally look at it and say, that's bad. Most of us. Oh, don't you? And yes, there's plenty of research out there, the benefits of being outside, but at the same time, that creative expression and all of those other things that go into certain things, there is a positive view of it that we do not default to, that you do, very rare, to Rodney's point. Is that something you've always done? Is just, you see something, you minimize or eliminate judgment, and you go to the, what's the positive of this for you? Because I've got nothing to do with it. Or was that something you learned? I personally always understood that. I personally always just watch people and how how they learned, how how they think, how they say certain things, how they articulate themselves. See, 
you would never think that I would have the same mind frame coming from a place where I come from. I personally come from one of the worst educational systems, one of the highest murder rates and one of the highest cases for HIV in the state of Louisiana. Not dishing my, my state, my city, none of that. I have nothing but love for Louisiana. But I feel as though down south, they should, in fact, inspire others to go out and see the world. And I think it took me to see the world to actually go out and see different perspectives and, and see different people's lives, see different aspects of life. What started the journey for you to start seeing the world? I mean, you've been in 22 different states, at 23 or 23 different states. Yeah. Um, at what age did that start and what triggered it? I remember when I was younger and... Uh, as terrible as this sounds, uh, I, I was staying with my mom at the time, and you know, I, I, I've seen the good and bad in the life. And I told my mom when I was very young, I said, one of these days, I'm going to move out of your house. I'm never going to move back, and I'm going to make some of myself. And I said that at like eight years old. And I said, I'm going to be somebody special one day. I'm going to be special. I'm going to be somebody. And I said, when I'm 18 years old, I'm moving out. And I said it every single year, almost weekly, monthly, all of that. And I said it went from eight all the way to 18. And my birthday is actually next month in September. And when I made my 18th birthday, I was ready to, hey, this is it. I'm gone. And my mom at least said, you know, finish high school. You can move out my house if you want to. But yeah, but it was the aspect of I knew who I was as a person, even as a, as a small child. I knew that I wanted to see the world from a different aspect. I knew I wanted to change the world. I, I always in my thought process said, okay, I want to do more than what the others around me are doing. No disrespect to anybody that went to school, went to college, got a job, got the house, got the husband, got the wife, all the, hey, I support you hundred percent. But I felt as though I personally couldn't do it. I personally wanted to travel. I personally wanted to see the, I wanted to come home to Whatever, I always want to be a bridge for young people, including my brothers and sisters, where they can ask me a question about a state or a city or, or, or different types of life. And I'm able to give them an open encyclopedia of that. I'm able to say, okay, if you go to Maine, I have this friend here, they'll take good care of you. You go to California, I have this friend here, they'll take care of you. I want them to always have somebody no matter where they go to hey you know this is jeremiah he, he made a difference in my life i want to go back for a second as you strong sense of self you tell your mom i'm gonna move out when i'm 18 you're ready to go she's like you gotta how, but how does she respond to that how does she respond to that idea and that comment she always told me follow your dreams do whatever you want to do because sooner or later, you're going to be grown and you, you, you have to start paying your own bills. And, and she was up front. My, my parents are the most. How can I put this? My parents are. I feel as though my, I respect my parents, but I feel as though if I wasn't born, both of them went to, went to college for like a business degree. They're both highly intelligent. They're both highly intelligent by just speaking with them. They may have to do the jobs to survive now, but I feel as though, you know, once they get a little bit older and everybody's grown in our house, they, they can, they, they're very intelligent, business-minded people. And 
I feel as though I learned stuff from both sides. And I get my kindness from my grandmother, uh, honest to God. Uh, she taught me so much. Her and my grandpa taught my grandpa taught me how to drive. Uh, <laughs> he's my best friend to, to forever. Uh, but yeah, it's all the small aspects of life that I've learned. I just I asked that because you you said you always know who you are. And then you and then saying that, repeating that to yourself every year, repeating it out loud to your mom and then her, her accepting it essentially seems really important for where you are, because at least for my journey, I would say. I wasn't that connected to who I was, but now when I think back to younger me, it's like, no, I, I actually knew, but somewhere in there I unlearned it. And now I'm getting, I'm as a 39 year old getting back to that child self. So like you've always held it and that's, that's impressive. That aspect, I was actually in the car thinking about this the other day, Rodney, you just said, I've always known who I was but I never felt like that was okay, right? And so there was like a, a disconnect of, if that's me, it only can be me in a perfect sense. And there are certain parts of it that's not okay. So like the mm -hmm. fact that you knew that and Society, said it parents, without- school, whatever. Yeah, without judgment. And your mom just accepted it. like giving that opportunity to breathe is an amazing thing. But the question though, is like, you, since you were eight, where did that feeling come from? Like, I, you might not be able to remember this, but I'm eternally fascinated by anybody who just naturally just has that connection to self at an age and it just carries on. Like, where'd that come from? What'd that feel like for you? Where did that feel? Oh, oh God, I can remember that feeling like it was yesterday. Oh God. Uh, it was my mom's first house that she ever bought and me and her had gotten an argument over I, I don't know it was rather video and just something something crazy and uh I, I i've seen life on all aspects and i was like man i'm in my mind at eight years old i was like i'm not gonna end up like my parents i'm not gonna have kids young i'm not going to uh i'm not gonna just do what society tells me i'm going to do something different i'm going to inspire people i'm going to change more lives now and, and at that point i was like I'm, i looked at her in face i said i'm gonna make a difference in people's life i'm gonna be somebody and that that was pretty much it because i i knew that i wanted to i always want to be better than what my parents were i always want to be better than what my grandparents were i always want to be better than what the people around me are and i i want to be a a bridge that's all i want to be all right, let's take a pause right there. Take a breath. It's a great conversation with Jeremiah, and we'll be back with part two in just a couple of days. And while we wait, I want to encourage you to go back to the original episodes, um, episode 19 with Bracia Dover. Just an example of another young human being who's experienced a lot and just maintains an amazingly positive outlook on life. And if you string these two conversations together, I don't know how you don't have just a little bit of better of a day. So we'll be back in a couple of days. Give us a like, give us a share, and uh, definitely comment if, if you feel so punchy. All right, we'll see you.